Open source sparse autoencoders for all residual stream layers of GPT-2 small. By Joseph Bloom. This work was produced as part of the ML Alignment and Theory Scholars Program, Winter 2023-24 Cohort, under mentorship from Neil Nunder and Arthur Conmey. Funding for this work was provided by the Manifund Regranting Program and donors as well as Lightspeed Grants. This is intended to be a fairly informal post sharing a set of sparse autoencoders trained on the residual stream of GPT-2, small, which achieve fairly good reconstruction performance and contain fairly sparse interpretable features. More importantly, advice from Anthropic and community members has enabled us to train these fairly more efficiently, faster than before. The specific methods that were most useful were ghost gradients, learning rate warm-up, and initializing the decoder bias with the geometric median. We discuss each of these in more detail below. There's an image here, with the caption. Feature found in residual stream, pre, layer 10 of GPT-2 small. The force is strong with this one. Heading. 5-Minute Summary. We're publishing a set of 12 sparse autoencoders for the GPT-2 small residual stream. These dictionaries have approximately 25,000 features each, with very few dead features, mainly in the early layers and high-quality reconstruction, log loss when the activations are replaced with the output is 3.3 to 3.6 as compared with 3.3 normally. The L0s range from 5 in the first layer to 70 in the ninth SAE, increasing by about 5 to 10 per layer and dropping in the last two layers. By choosing a fixed dictionary size, we can see how statistics like the number of dead features or reconstruction cross-entropy loss change with layer giving some indication of how properties of the feature distribution change with layer depth. We haven't yet extensively analyzed these dictionaries, but we'll share automatically generated dashboards we've generated. Readers can access the sparse autoencoder weights in this Hugging Face repo. Training code and code for loading the weights a model and data loaders can be found in this GitHub repository. Training curves and feature dashboards can also be found in this one report. Users can download all 25k feature dashboards generated for layer 2 and 10 SAEs, and the first 5000 of the layer 5 SAE features here, note the left hand of column of the dashboard should currently be ignored. There's a table here in the text. Summary statistics for GPT-2 small residual stream SAEs. Asterisk L0 equals average number of features firing per token. Training SAEs that we were happy with used to take much longer than it is taking us now. Last week, it took me 20 hours to train a 50k feature SAE on 1 billion tokens, and over the weekend it took 3 hours for us to train 25k SAE on 300m tokens with similar variants explained, L0 and CE loss recovered. We attribute the improvement to having implemented various pieces of advice that have made our lives a lot easier. Ghost gradients avoiding resampling, Prior to ghost gradients, which we were made aware of last week in the Anthropic January update, we were training SAEs with approximately 50k features, on 1 billion tokens with 3 resampling events to reduce the number of dead features. This took around 20 hours and might cost about $10 with an A6000 GPU. With ghost gradients, we don't need to resample, or wait for loss curves to plateau after resampling. Now we can train on only 300m tokens instead. Simultaneously, since we now have very few dead features, we can make the SAE smaller which speeds up the training time significantly. Using a learning rate warm-up. Before implementing ghost gradients, 
Arthur found that using a learning rate warm-up at the beginning of training also kept features alive which are otherwise killed off early in training. Using this warm-up leads to less dead features enabling us to train smaller SAEs. Since ghost gradients don't kick in until we're sure a feature is dead, 5,000 steps where they didn't fire, it seems like a learning rate warm-up is likely worth keeping around. Initializing the decoder bias at the geometric median. Another improvement that made a significant impact on our results was initializing the decoder bias at the geometric median, as recommended by Anthropic. This seemed to help avoid dense, uninterpretable features which had caused deceptively good-looking statistics in previous training runs. Anecdotally, we did notice that resampling helped eliminate these features, and that initializing at the mean was possibly just as good as initializing with the geometric median. While we haven't tested our code extensively since implementing these improvements, we suspect that hyperparameter tuning may be easier in the future since these method improvements make the process generally less sensitive. To demonstrate the interpretability of these SAEs, we share screenshots of feature dashboards we produced using a reproduction of Anthropic's dashboard developed by Callum McDougall. Finally, we end by discussing how readers can access these SAEs, some experiments which they could perform to upskill with SAEs and possible research directions to pursue. Introduction Subheading. What are sparse autoencoders and why should we care about them? Sparse autoencoders, SAEs, are an unsupervised technique to take a model's activations and decompose it into interpretable feature vectors. We highly recommend this tutorial on SAEs for those interested. Recent papers on the topic can be found here and here. I'm particularly excited about sparse autoencoders for two reasons. 1. SAEs are an unsupervised that might help us understand how model internals work, and may be robust to us being wrong about how models think about the world. Understanding model internals in detail could help with lots of alignment proposals such as eliciting latent knowledge, mechanistic anomaly detection, and retargeting the search. 2. SAEs represent a major scientific breakthrough. As a former computational biologist, they seem to be analogous to DNA or mRNA sequencing. A huge proportion of modern biology is informatic and operates based on information we have about genes, gene products, mRNA and proteins, and databases which relate these internal components to variables we care about like cancer and other pathologies. Knowing an organism's genome doesn't immediately give you the ability to arbitrarily intervene on internals or cure all disease, though it's an important start. Moreover, there are classes of therapies which you would just never arrive at without this level of insight into cells, such as immunocancer therapies. Bringing it back to neural networks, it's possible that there are some forms of AI misalignment which are tractable with insight into model internals, but are intractable otherwise. Heading. General advice for training SAEs. Subheading. Why can training sparse autoencoders be difficult? Sparse autoencoders are an unsupervised method which attempts to trade off reconstruction accuracy against interpretability, which we achieve by inducing activation sparsity. Since we don't have good metrics for interpretability or reconstruction quality, it's hard to know when we are actually optimizing what we care about. On top of this, we're trying to pick a good point on the Pareto frontier between interpretability and reconstruction quality, which is a hard thing to assess well. The main objective is to have your sparse autoencoder learn a population of sparse features, which are likely to be interpretable, without having some dense features, features which activate all the time and are likely uninterpretable, or too many dead features, features which never fire. 
As discussed in the 5-minute summary, we went from training GPT-2 small residual streams in 12 plus hours to roughly 3 hours, so 4x faster or cheaper. Though the L0 and CE loss were somewhat similar, the feature density histograms also suggested we avoided dead, dense features way more effectively after using ghost gradients. Let's dig into the challenges associated with dead or dense features a bit more a bit more. Here's a list of bullet points. Too many dead features. Dead features don't receive gradients and so represent permanently lost capacity in your SAE. They make training slower and more expensive and are present in almost everyone's SAEs. One solution is to use a resampling strategy but this results in much longer training times. Resampling, if it's enough features, causes your loss curves to go a bit nuts and, though it's useful, means you got to wait ages between resampling and between the last resample and ending training. Another solution is just use a larger dictionary, but then you are wasting compute during training. Dense features. One issue you can get when hyperparameter tuning SAEs is that you get dense features, which fire on greater than 1, 100 or 1 tenth tokens. These features seem generally uninterpretable, but help with your reconstruction immensely. Previously it felt like a bit of an art form to avoid both dense features and dead features simultaneously, since reducing the sparsity penalty kills less features but encourages dense features. Reading feature density histograms. Feature density histograms are a good measure of SAE quality. We plot the log 10 feature sparsity, how often it fires, for all features. In order to make this easier to operationalize, I've drawn a diagram that captures my sense of the issues these histograms help you diagnose. Feature density histograms can be broken down into too dense. Dense features will occur at a frequency greater than 1 or 100. Some dense-ish features are likely fine, such as a feature representing that a token begins with a space, but too many is likely an issue. Too sparse. Dead features won't be sampled so will turn up at log 10, epsilon, for epsilon added to avoid logging zero numbers. Too many of these mean you're over-penalizing with L1. Just right. Without too many dead or dense features, we see a distribution that has most mass between minus 5 or minus 4 and minus 3 log 10 feature sparsity. The exact range can vary depending on the model SAE size, but the dense or dead features tend to stick out. That's the end of the list. There's an image here in the text. Subheading. Which tricks help the most? In terms of solutions, Anthropic published useful advice, especially ghost gradients, and the research community is building consensus on how to train SAEs well, what your loss curves and final statistics should look like for example. I found Arthur Conmey's post very useful. Equals. The top three changes that I made which led to my ability to train these SAEs cheaply or quickly were. Here's a list of bullet points. Ghost gradients avoiding resampling. Ghost gradients work by adding a loss term to your overall loss which causes gradient updates to dead features in the direction of fitting. The error term, the part of the activation vector your SAE is not fitting. In other words, we take our spare capacity that isn't being used and point it at our error. This creates a kind of buoyancy around feature density which continuously resuscitates features. Importantly, this means you can train a smaller sparse autoencoder, which has the same number of alive features, increasing the speed of your training. Simultaneously, the resampling strategies we used previously were a little like restarting training from scratch if you had lots of dead features. L1 and MSE loss spike after resampling and it takes time to re-equilibrate. 
total training tokens are therefore much shorter with ghost grads and no resampling. Using a learning rate warm-up. This helps with avoiding dead features early in training. I haven't done an ablation study with this, ghost grads, but before I was using ghost grads this made a fairly large difference to the feature density histograms. Initializing B underscore December with an estimate of the geometric median of the activations. This seems to help avoid dense or dead features. Anecdotally, I calculated the distance between the geometric median of roughly 250k randomly sampled activations, and the final decoder bias in some of my autoencoders and they were fairly close, closer than the mean of those activations. And so this seems like a straightforward case of, if you can guess a parameter before training, initialize close to it for better results. Note, Anthropic had suggested initializing the geometric median this way from the start and we simply hadn't implemented it. In retrospect it seems obvious, but I think there were many other hypotheses we'd considered at the time for what we should do to improve. That's the end of the list. Heading. Sparse autoencoders for the GPT-2 residual stream. Subheading. Why GPT-2 small? Why the residual stream? GPT-2 small has been extensively studied by the mechanistic interpretability community, and whilst not an incredibly performant model, it certainly has some kind of prototypical object of study property. We chose the residual stream because this enables us to analyze the total sum of previous output in a manner not dissimilar to the logit lens approach. This may be useful for understanding how features are constructed from earlier features as well as studying how the distribution of features over time changes in a model. Subheading. Architecture and hyperparameters. We trained 12 sparse autoencoders on the residual stream of GPT-2, small. Each of these contains roughly 25k features as we used an expansion factor of 32, and the residual stream dimension of GPT-2 has 768 dimensions. We trained with an L1 coefficient of 8 times 10 to the power of negative 5, a learning rate of 4 times 10 to the power of negative 4 for 300 million tokens from open web text. We store activations in a buffer of roughly 500k tokens, which is refilled and shuffled whenever 50% of the tokens are used, i.e., Neil's approach. To avoid dead features, we use ghost gradients. Our encoder and decoder weights are untied, but we do use a tied decoder bias initialized at the geometric median per Bricken et al. Were I to be training SAEs on another model or part of the same model, I wouldn't change any of the architectural choices, except maybe expansion factor. Other parameters like learning rate, L1 coefficient, number of tokens to train on all likely need to be tuned in practice. It also seems plausible we'll continue to see methodological advances in the future which I'm excited about. Subheading. What do we think about when choosing hyperparameters evaluating SAEs? We train against. A reconstruction objective, MSE. A sparsity-inducing term, L1 norm on the activations. A ghost gradient term, used to resuscitate dead features. However, what we actually care about is whether we reconstructed information required for model performance and how useful the features are for interpretability. Better proxies for these desiderata are the cross-entropy loss, how well the model performs if we replace its activations with the output of the autoencoder. The L0, number of features which fire when we reconstruct any given activation. Though L0 is a pretty good proxy for interpretability, in practice the feature density histogram, the distribution of how frequent features are, 
turns out to be one of the most important things we need to get right when tuning hyperparameters. Subheading. How good are these sparse autoencoders? At a glance, the summary metrics seem fairly good. I'll make a number of comments. It's unclear how many features we should expect to see per token, what the L0 should be, but clearly higher L0s enable us to achieve better reconstruction. Furthermore, it makes sense that larger models and later layers have more features firing, and our spot checks indicated that higher L0 SAEs still seem interpretable and anecdotally have been useful for circuit analysis. Therefore, we tolerate much higher L0s in practice than we had previously considered ideal. Our reconstruction scores were pretty good. We found GPT-2 small achieves a cross-entropy loss of about 3.3, and with reconstructed activations in place of the original activation, the CE log loss stays below 3.6. Most obviously, the proportion of dead features is just way lower than you'd be able to get without ghost gradients. I was very happy with the feature density histograms, see below, which showed few dead features for most layers and very few dense features. George Lang pointed out to me that the L2 loss grows quadratically with the norm which increases with layer whilst the L1 coefficient grows linearly. This means that since I didn't vary the L1 coefficient when training these, we're effectively pushing less hard for sparsity in later layers, which would explain the trend in L0, L1 and the feature density histograms. Interestingly, the variance explained still gets worse with layers. There's a table here in the text. Summary statistics for GPT-2 small residual stream SAEs. Asterisk L0 equals average number of features firing per token. There's an image here in the text. Log feature sparsity histograms for each of the residual stream SAEs of GPT-2 small. Subheading. How interpretable are the features in each layer? Feature interpretability is far from a settled science, but feature dashboards sure do automate a huge chunk of the work. We use a reproduction of Anthropic's dashboard developed by Callum McDougall. We're still working on making our dashboard generating code more efficient, to keep up with the improvements in our ability to train sparse autoencoders. In the meantime, we've collected some anecdotal examples of features at layers 2, 5 and 10 to give examples of the kinds of features we can detect in GPT-2 small. Though we share some features below, you can look through more features at the bottom of the dashboard here. Subheading. Layer 2. The President feature. For example, below we show a President feature which promotes the first names of presidents. There's an image here in the text. Subheading. Layer 2. The C subword token feature. Another example of a fairly typical Layer 2 feature is this feature which fires on C due to tokenization which splits a word that starts with C. There's an image here in the text. Subheading. Layer 5. The what you are saying thanks or sorry for feature. For example, this feature appears to fire for short stretches of text involving thanks or apologies. There's an image here in the text. Subheading. Layer 5. The force is strong with this feature. Though there are plenty of features that seem interesting about Layer 5 SAE, some are just way stronger in the force than others. Heading. There's an image here in the text. Subheading. Layer 10. Violence a conflict feature. There's an image here in the text. Heading. How to get involved. Subheading. I want to look at more dashboards. You can download all 25k for layer 10 and 2 and the first 5k for layer 5 here. 
Subheading. How can I download and analyze these SAEs? For those who would like to play around with these sparse autoencoders, my code base is pretty crazy right now, but you can mostly ignore it once you have the SAE. The code base has a readme explaining the interface for training SAEs, the interface for generating dashboards, a tutorial showing how to use the SAE with transformer lens. In order to speed up my own analysis, I create a session loader class which takes a path to the saved SAE and then instantiates the model it was trained on, the sparse autoencoder and the activations underscore loader, which gets your tokens activations. Between these three artifacts, you start analyzing an SAE very quickly post-training. After cloning the repo and installing the requirements.txt, users can simply run the following commands. There's a code block here in the text. Subheading. What kinds of analysis can we do with residual stream sparse autoencoders? Without getting into entire research directions, it's worth discussing briefly the kinds of experiments that can be run with sparse autoencoders. These are projects that might enable you to get a taste of working with SAEs and decide if you're excited to work with them more seriously. Some example upskilling projects could be Studying co-occurrence Collect feature activations on a bunch of data and then look for co-occurring features. Co-occurrence of features is disincentive with the L1 penalty but might be retained if it's useful for the reconstruction objective. Understanding which features co-occur and why within the same SAE, layer of GPT-2 or between layers could be quite an interesting mini-project. Plotting the joint distribution of features for highly co-occurring features can be interesting too. Identifying redundancy between SAEs trained on nearby layers. If we have 25k residual stream features in 12 residual stream SAEs, then that's a lot of features. Having automatic ways to identify redundant features which track similar, or the same variables between layers could be an interesting task to solve. Red teaming feature dashboards. Feature dashboards are super useful, but rely on max activating examples which can be very misleading. Finding examples of where feature dashboards are misleading and finding ways to improve them, or automatic ways to detect these issues could be quite valuable. For some inspiration, you could think about how Simpson's paradox or Berkson's paradox might be relevant. For more ideas, posts published by researchers currently working on SAEs can be a great source of inspiration. Sparse autoencoders work on attention layer outputs, less wrong. Case studies in reverse engineering sparse autoencoder features by using MLP linearization. Less wrong. Subheading. What research directions could you pursue with SAEs? It's likely that there are a bunch of low-hanging fruit with SAEs right now. Logan Riggs posted a bunch of ideas here and Anthropic lists some directions for future work which are worth reading here. Two direction, I'm excited by are. Red teaming improving SAEs. Understanding why models don't perform better when we replace activations with SAE output seems like an important target. If you were sequencing DNA, but your sequencer wasn't reliable enough for you to put the DNA back in the bacteria, then you wouldn't be sure your sequencer was working. There may be issues with the way we're currently training SAEs or more fundamental issues with our conceptualizations. Maybe some fraction of features really are dense or aren't well described by a sparse overcomplete basis. How would we know? Understanding higher level structures composed of features. Previously, we've been talking about features as being connected by circuits, but there might be other lenses through which to understand the ways features relate to each other. 
For example, are there sets of mutually exclusive features which represent similar concepts, like colors? Heading. Appendix. Subheading. Thanks. I'd like to thank Neil Nunder and Arthur Conmey for their support and feedback while I've been working on this and other SAE-related work. I also appreciate feedback and support from members of the Mechanistic Interpretability stream in the MATS 5.0 cohort, especially Ben Wu and Andy Arditi. I'd also like to thank the interpretability team at Anthropic for continually sharing their advice on how to train sparse autoencoders, and to Callum McDougall for his awesome SAE visualizer, replication of Anthropic's dashboard. Subheading. Funding note. This work was produced as part of the ML Alignment and Theory Scholars Program, Winter 2023-24 Cohort, with support from Neil Nunder and Arthur Conmey. Funding for this work was provided by the Manifund Regranting Program and donors as well as Lightspeed Grants. Subheading. Related work. Here's a list of bullet points. Recent papers. 2309.08600, sparse autoencoders find highly interpretable features in language models. Towards monosemanticity. Decomposing language models with dictionary learning. Update. Circuits updates, January 2024. Replications. Open source replication and commentary on Anthropic's dictionary learning paper, less wrong. Some open source dictionaries and dictionary learning infrastructure, AI alignment forum. Link in text. Advice. My best guess at the important tricks for training 1L SAEs, less wrong. Some additional SAE thoughts, less wrong. Matt stream results. Sparse autoencoders work on attention layer outputs, less wrong. Case studies in reverse engineering sparse autoencoder features by using MLP linearization, less wrong. That's the end of the list. This article was narrated by Type 3 Audio for Less Wrong. It was first published on February 2, 2024. To report an issue or give feedback on this narration, go to t3a.is.